Well, hello, all you Lasso fans. This is Peanut Butter and Biscuits, your Ted Lasso fan cast from NPR Illinois Community Voices. I'm your host today, Craig, joined by my illustrious co-host, Mr. Jeremy Geckner. How are you? I'm good. We've got a wonderful episode today because we're talking to an author, Craig. Yes, we get to talk to Lucy Broadbent today all about her book, What Would Ted Lasso Do? How Ted's Positive Approach Can Help You. And I, I got to tell you, we're going to jump right into this uh, pretty quickly. All I will tell you is that this is the first podcast we have done since the image has been released oh, online. Lovely. And we almost went yeah, running to our microphones to do an entire podcast uh, dissecting that clearly very Star Wars looking image with Nate on one side, Ted on the other, Rupert as Emperor Palpatine in the middle. But buddy, give me your like 10 second analysis of that image. And then we're going to get to Lucy's conversation. Um, I like the image. It's great. It's well constructed. Uh, give us a damn trailer, Apple. Right now. Right now, please. AJ, Mel, give us a trailer. I got to say, so they did tell us finally that it's going to come out in the spring. Uh, I'm thinking spring maybe means April because we asked our listeners and you all gave us some really good responses like uh, shrinking is on Apple TV plus right now. By the way, I I have had the ability to see uh, lots of shrinking um, through Apple TV. Thank you, Apple TV. And uh, you definitely need to watch that show if you're a Ted Lasso fan. But a lot of people are saying maybe the week after that's over, which would be, I believe, early April. Uh, I've also heard that maybe we'll get a trailer during some of the MLS play because MLS is going to start up here very shortly. And Apple has that contract now. So We'll see. We're going to get a lot of Ted Lasso season three, I think, in the very near future. And you know that once that happens, we are going to run back to our microphones. But (laughs) but for now, we're going to jump right in to talk to Lucy Broadbent about her book. Uh, Any thoughts before we get into it? No, it's just a really good conversation. Uh, She's very deep. She's watched the show even more than us. Um, And her book is really, really wonderful. So we'll tell you where to find it at the end. And uh, just really enjoy it. This this lady has a lot of insight into this show. All right, here we go with Lucy. It is so great to welcome to Peanut Butter and Biscuits. Lucy Broadbent, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm just delighted to be here. Thrilled to be here and talking to you both. Yeah, you know, it's so nice that you uh, reached out to us because you've written this book, What Would Ted Lasso Do? But you also have kind of a fascinating story yourself. And I know that you have said you've listened to some of our shows before. So I bet you know my first question, and that is that we love to get to know people. We love to get to know their superhero origin story. We want to know kind of how you came to be an author. I know you're working uh, and writing for Women Love Tech as well. And so I want to know a bit about that too. But but how is it that you end up as uh, a Brit that is now in America? You're the reverse Ted Lasso. Yeah. Well, do you know, it's funny that it's funny you should say that because I do feel like the reverse Ted Lasso. I mean, I mean, what, biscuits, where's the sugar? Where is the sugar <laughs> in biscuits? For goodness sake. <laughs> um, oh, that's great. And I love that you think I have a superpower because uh, um, <laughs> I'm not sure I do. Uh, so, I mean, I, I like Ted. I feel like I fell out of a lucky tree. All I ever wanted to be was a journalist. Um, uh, right from when I was at school, that's what I did, straight to it. Um, and uh, here I am still. That ha- the writing has changed. Um, I've done written about different things. Um, I uh, I am British, as you can hear, with a funny accent. Uh, and uh, um, I sort of I, I I 
drink a lot of what Ted calls garbage water. But <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and I worked on newspapers in the in the UK and in, in um, I'm that old, but we used to call it Fleet Street. Um, in those days, there's no newspapers there anymore. Um, and and then I went out here to Los Angeles to interview celebrities, uh, which has been enormous fun. Um, and uh, then you meet your husband before you know you have children, and I'm still here. <laughs> That is just so fantastic. And so now you're also, so you're a freelance writer. You're also writing for Women Love Tech as well. And so how is it that you came to be involved with that website? Um, well, I'm freelance. Um, and so, I, I mean, I've written, I'll write for anybody, particularly if they pay me. Um, right. <laughs> so helpful. Um, so I've written for the London Times, um, Los Angeles Times, um, I, Daily Mail once, there was a newspaper called Today in the UK that I, I used to do a lot for. Um, and then I've done women's magazines. And so Women Love Tech is an Australian magazine. It's a digital uh, magazine. They they specialize in tech stuff. So they absolutely adore podcasts um, and um, are always interested in what people are doing. And um, well, I mean, I'll, I'll write for, for anybody. <laughs> That's great because, you know, when I went to their site uh, actually today, there was a on the banner page. Uh, Christo was there talking yeah. a little bit about Ted Lasso as well. And so it's great to see that kind of love for that as well and be able to to kind of go into all of that. I it, It's really neat that you uh, have had this kind of path through journalism. Is there a particular beat or anything like that that you covered that you really enjoyed? Or is it now talking to celebrities that is always kind of fun, right? Oh, you can, oh, it's just so much fun. I like to boast that I've had more lunch, lunches, lunches with more actresses and actors than most agents, which is a, actually sounds terribly boastful. Um, and, um, but there's also been a lot of sort of rather dull round the table, um, uh, when they, um, what do they call it? They're round robins and everybody sits there and asks mm -hmm. dull questions sometimes. Uh, but um, no, it's fun. I, I started off, I do a lot of different things. I'll write about anything. Celebrities are always interesting. Actually, I prefer real people. I think real people do very, very interesting things. Uh, um, and so I've written all kinds. Um, I started, had tried my hand at books. Um, and then I watched Ted Lasso and I could see a book there. I could see a book, so I had to write it. <laughs> Well, there you go. Like the segues just continue to just merge. She's a journalist. Book. She's a journalist. <laughs> she does this thing, man. She just sets up the next question. Um, but yeah. Soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, well, and I I, I want to get into the book here in a second. But first, I mean, we, you just like got us to there. You know, how did you come to find Ted Lasso? Because, you know, we've talked a lot about how we personally came to it. Of course, I think that there's a lot of people that, you know, 2020 pandemic, everything's hopeless. Uh, let's watch a show that makes people feel a little better. Um, but, you know, what was your personal way of finding Ted Lasso uh, on Apple TV Plus, this little show that could? You know what? Such a good question, because I, I, I think someone recommended it to me. Um, yeah. You know, I think it's just word of mouth. We took out an Apple subscription, especially, um, and as I think lots of other people did. Uh, um, and, you know, it just, I had no, I didn't hear any of the hype. I, I think it was just a friend who recommended it. And then you're in, 
And then you go, oh my God, this is really great. I mean, mm -hmm. and there's fantastic depth to it. Um, and then you find yourself thinking, well, maybe I'll just watch it again because that was too good. Uh, <laughs> and so I watched it again. And then your son comes home from college and you say, hey, you've got to watch this show. <laughs> so and then you're three times around. And uh, I mean, it, every time I look at it, you there is more to it. There is, I have yet to get tired of it. Even when we've written a book and I had to go back over it a million times, mm. um, trying to transcribe the quotes, getting everything right. And even then, I, I, I mean, I still, there's, there's such depth to it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you, you've uh, pinpointed what I call Ted Lasso evangelism, uh, because that's what it is. <laughs> you know, we basically, um, Craig, uh, you know, bugged all of us in the Front Row Network feeds uh, for a while saying, like, you've got to watch this show. I finally broke down. Uh, I got my uh, in-laws to watch it. I got my wife to finally watch it. And you're right to a person like nobody I've recommended this show to has come back and said, like, yeah, it just wasn't for me. Like, they've all loved it. Isn't it, isn't it funny how that happens? Yeah, I, I have yet to meet anybody who hasn't, uh, who doesn't love it. I just haven't, uh, I have met people who haven't seen it. Um, mm. I go back and forth across the pond. Um, and the, the I think Apple have, uh, there's not so many people who, who watch Apple there. Um, and I can sort of see where my book sales are um, precisely uh, where the show uh, is uh, oddly, People in Germany are buying my book, and it's not in translation. Uh, but um, um, I, you know, and and then you tell them, I, I can't believe you haven't seen it, and I am evangelical. That that actually that word describes it very nicely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, let's let's get into the book here. Uh, what would Ted Lasso do? How Ted's positive approach can help you? Um, you know, you mentioned it just a little bit there, but like, what was it that kind of was the link between, you know, the show, you're watching the show, and then you're like, I want to go down this specific avenue, write this specific book for this show. What was kind of the impetus, the thought that, that spurred all this? Well, I thought that I recognized it sort of like a trail of bird seeds mm. um, in it that led uh, there's well, the belief sign is the very obvious um, one, um, but and then there's all those little quotes, isn't it? Where Ted says, uh, "You say impossible, I hear I'm possible," mm -hmm. and then really early on, he's asked, uh, um, "Do you believe in ghosts?" And he said, "It's more important that they believe in themselves." <laughs> I, I, I think they should believe in themselves. Yeah. <laughs> And so the point is, there is, in fact, a thing called the positive psychology movement. Mm. And all of that, that belief, that self-belief, psychologists call it self-efficacy, um, which, um, and there's a man called Albert Bandura, uh, and he was the professor emeritus at Stanford University. And he was like the great granddaddy of this movement. And he argued that how we perceive ourselves affects our outcomes. So on the most basic level, if we think we'll never pass our driving lesson, uh, a driving test, we won't bother to apply for a driving license, um, therefore guaranteeing that particular outcome. Mm -hmm. And so I think that I, I just saw all this positivity going through it. And there's Ted and there he is, Mr. Positive. He sometimes, he somehow manages to turn by being positive, he negates situations. So he turns negatives into positives. He turns 
adversity into acceptance, selfish behavior into self-aware behavior. He just does it all with a big old smile and somehow he does it. And I saw something there and I started exploring it and I sort of looked for the psychology and there it was. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you, you know, you're crystallizing for me. The one scene that always jumps to mind when what you were just saying there is, you know, he's having in the first season, he's having that problem with Jamie Tart, right? He's just not being able to get through to him. And even after like, you know, they suffer this bad loss, Jamie scores the only goal, but of course it's in stoppage time. So it doesn't matter um, anything like that, but he calls him in the office and Jamie thinks he's going to get, you know, chewed out again for being selfish or something. And Ted literally just tells him, you know, you're the most, you're, I can honestly say you're the best athlete I've ever coached. And if you can just kind of unlock that and start playing more with the team, I have no clue how high you can go. And you can just tell there's just like this shift in this really selfish character that we've been with so far. And it's just like, wow, just the positivity and the words that he's given him is changing his perspective, right? It is. It is. I mean, that that nails it. He's 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 uh, he, he, you know. Well, you do see him get angry. You do. Um, yeah. uh, and in the second season, there's a sort of his his character uh, sort of gets deeper in a sense. But the positivity still remains there, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. Um, and I think, I, I mean, I, it's, it's a brilliant thing to bring that depth into a character. So, you know, my idea in the book was really, um, I found myself in, a, in situations, I'm a chatty person anyway, <laughs> you might have guessed. <laughs> but, you know, you're chatting to people all the time and I'm thinking all the time, well, what would Ted Dasso do? Like, would Ted Dasso do in this circumstance? What would he be saying to this person? What would he be doing? Uh, and that sort of that TV show has, has all got to me. And I thought, wow, there's something there, that positivity. I, if I'm feeling it, other people must be too. So, and then you think to yourself, well, okay, you write all these things down and you write about the explanation of the psychology. Wouldn't it be a bit like having Ted as your very own life coach? I mean, how marvelous would that be to be able to have him on speed dial, phone him up and say, Ted, what would you do? And that's what I love too, uh, because I'm about halfway through the book now, but of course, because you're a journalist, what you've done too is really kind of reinforce your messages as well, because not only are you using scenes from the show, but you've also gone back and done the work of finding Jason and how he was talking about the development of the show and, and how he's talking about, yes, I understand that we live in this kind of cynical world, but you can be someone that stands up to that. This character can stand up to that. And so I love the idea of positive psychology and being able to, um, in the face of some really challenging times, try to move forward, right? Onward forward. That's what the the entire message of this show. And so uh, not so much a question, just that I really love how the book was formatted too, because um, it, it also gives us like little bites of information at the end of each of the, the chapters. It allows kind of the summation of like, these are the main points to sort of reassert those. And it's just a really well-written book. Oh, bless you. Thank you so much. <laughs> of course. Well, I know you're spending, I know you're spending hours and hours kind of touring, uh, toiling over kind of putting them into these themes, grabbing the right scenes from different things. And then also going back and, and looking at these um, from the interviews of cast members and trying to add that in too. You know, you mentioned uh, 
Jeremy was kind of filibustering here for a little bit, but yeah, you mentioned a bit ago uh, the reaction to people over the uh, across the pond. I do always really think that's interesting, like the how uh, people in England really respond to this show. And I know you said that maybe not as many people have seen it over there because of the distribution with Apple, but but what are kind of the perceptions of you know, all of us Americans that love this Ted Lasso show. Uh, what What is it that, you know, like, I, I know it's kind of a different uh, vibe or culture, or maybe it isn't. Let me know what you think. Well, I, you know, I think the thing that's absolutely brilliant about the show um, is in fact that you can't actually tell whether it's American or British. I mean, it's seamless. So many things that, that get made in Britain, they come across, I'm thinking of The Office, that was a huge success. Uh-huh. UK and then they bring out an American version of which actually was still fairly successful it sort of sometimes gets lost in translation and uh the thing that's great about this I mean I my brother is a phenomenal fan of this I introduced it to him to it I mean he adored it I don't know anyone who has watched it in the UK who hasn't loved it and I don't think that they can spot the scenes they will think it's a British show that's what's okay. so clever. <laughs> They're not looking at these funny Americans. You know, it's just that uh, that transatlanticness is absolutely genius. I mean, and I I feel like I get some of the jokes. You know, that, that you know the idea. I'd never even thought about a scone or a scone, however you say it, even Brits. <laughs> you know. Um, uh, you know, and what does Ted call it? He says it's like a muffin, but it sucks all the spit out your mouth. And I'm like, wow. That's exactly what it's like. And that it works, but it seems to work. And I think that's really genius, actually. Yeah, I love that. I think it's in Carol the Bells when he uh, looks at uh, Rebecca and just goes, oh, right, I'm the one with the funny accent here. <laughs> like, I love that line, too. You know, it, it's it's such a like it's it, that fish out of water story is kind of universal. I mean, when yes. you move to Los Angeles, I'm sure you experienced some of that yourself. Oh, for sure. Right, turning right on red. Wow. <laughs> it turns right on red. Yeah. <laughs> see, now I've never been, I, I, you know, I, I, the furthest I've gone is Mexico. So I definitely need to get over there. I need to visit Richmond. I need to, to visit London and, and to see, you know, all of, uh, hopefully the United Kingdom, get up to uh, Scotland and everything else too. It just, I, I think it would be a wonderful trip to do, but it's just, uh, I think that, that fish out of water story to me, it totally relates because being Midwesterners and kind of having that, we have this sort of stereotype of Midwesterners that we all just try to be nice all the time. Uh, try. It's right. the end of winter <laughs> right now. So that's harder to do. But, you know, I, I do think that it would be really fun to, to be able to experience some of those places as well. But I, I want to get back to the book. You talk about this idea of self-efficacy and uh, what, uh, you know, basically psychologists and positive psychologists in particular, this is kind of the idea of your yourself and um, how you can be positive or how you can be optimistic moving through challenges. And I just want to explore that with you a little bit. What is it that, so we talked a bit about how you came to find the show, but now I want to know how big of a deep dive you had to do into the psychology of all of this as well. What did you learn in that process um, as you were kind of studying this positive psychology? Well, I think that whenever you look at psychology, you come up with 
because it's a science, there's all these statistics um, that come along with it. And they're so, they're, they're so revealing about where we are as a society. Uh, and so I think that I was, it's, it's exciting to explore psychology. And I think it was exciting to take some of the themes that were in the show. And the show is filled with themes. I mean, there's just so many. Um, the one that, I, I don't want to go off territory, off too course too far, but the most obvious theme that came out at me was this book called Man's Search for Meaning, which mm -hmm. was written by Viktor Frankl. And I swear Jason Sudeikis must have read it. I swear he's read it. <laughs> um, so uh, Viktor Frankl was um, a, a survivor of Auschwitz. Um, and he was there during the Second World War and he came out and he wrote a book. He wrote about his, uh, this experience where he looked around him, all these people um, were all suffering, obviously, but some fared better than others. What was it? How was it that some fared better than others? And it was those who were hopeful, those who managed to keep a, a sense of faith. Those tended to be the people who survived. And he argued that the last remaining freedom we all have is how we react in different situations. How we choose to react in a bad situation comes up, that is our freedom. How does that relate to Ted? So Ted is this character. He has a wife who wants to divorce him. His boss is out to sabotage him. He has an entire stadium of fans calling him a wanker, which is a really rude British term. <laughs> Honestly, that's really, you just don't, as May says, you just don't want to have him calling you that. And, um, and, and he stays, he chooses to land on his feet. Okay, so I'm going to cut to, cut to, there's this, uh, this quote that, um, forgive me, because I have got it, got it written here, because I, I can't misquote him, because it's so good. So he says, one of, this is Jason Sudeikis' own words. One of the themes of the show is that evil exists, bullies, toxic masculinity, malignant narcissists, and we can't just destroy them. It's about how you deal with those things. That's where the positivity and some of the lessons come in. It's about what you have control over. That's precisely what mm -hmm. Viktor Frankl's book was all about. And I've heard Jason give interviews um, talking about how he bad things happen. You can either become 412 bones or you can land like an Avenger. It's the same principle. It's right there. Yeah. Yeah, and I I love how you're putting that because when you think about it, like the show kind of very sneakily sneaks the psychology in, doesn't it? I mean, like they like you've got these guys who are so good, this writing team that is so good at writing just funny bits. That then you know they bring in all these little bits of psychology, even in like that first season. It is really about how you react to your circumstances around you, right? And you see little bits of that over there. Now the second season does kind of get a little more overt because we have a literal psychology storyline. Um, yeah. But you know, like in in your opinion, and I'm you know going a little TV editorializing here too as well. But like as you're writing this book, you're going through these two seasons. You know, how do you think the second season and the first season mesh with how they treat psychology, um, you know, in the show itself? Oh, that's such a good question. I think that they had a mind to it. I, I think I've heard in interviews them talking about therapy. Mm -hmm. And um, I think I've heard them all say that, that, that they, <laughs> I think they've all experienced therapy themselves. <laughs> um, 
I'm not sure, you know, they say that, that, that when they wrote the show, it was planned out, it was planned out in three seasons. So I don't know that they were, des- I mean, I, I wish I knew. Um, <laughs> um, it is a bit more over, you know, by calling them sports psychologists, but I think that there's, there's so many other um, psychology ideas woven in right from the very, very start, right from the very start. The, I mean, the one that I stand, the subject that I think really stands out is the subject of toxic, toxic masculinity. Mm. Um, and so like right from the be- very, very beginning, we've got Rebecca in that scene where um, we've got the old coach, George Cartridge, I think his name is, comes in, right? And he, he comes in and he's, he's sort of casually homophobic, misogynistic. He comes in and he says to Rebecca, did you get someone to do up the play? Did you do it yourself or did you get some poof to do it up for you? And then he, said, he says something really also nasty. He's got something, do you want to get it off a very impressive chest? Yeah. I mean, he's really typical, macho, red-blooded. He's been hardened by years in... In, in locker room talk, you know, the male t- locker room. Um, I've not been in one myself, being a woman, obviously, but, um, you know, I believe this is what, you know, men are men in there, right? And um, and then, so, and then that brilliant scene, they get, she gets rid of George, right? Okay, so enter Teddy, who's a man who admits that he doesn't mind crying, who gives out books to all his teammates, who, who is everything, he's the antithesis. And so I think that, and then later in season two, to come back to your question, we see that phrase where Jamie talks about, um, they tell Jamie to woman up. And he says, oh, I think you mean man up, don't you? Oh, no, you've been manning up for a while now and look where that's got you. So I think think that they had intention to do a psycho, that's the beauty of it. They did their reveal very slowly. If they'd gone maybe straight in, with a sports psychologist to the first episode, we'd have gone, aha, we've got you. We know what this show is all about. It's too obvious. And so I think that the reveal later um, is is brilliant, but I think it was there all the way through. Well, yeah. and then also the, the ability that they have to not only do that, but they also made it to where um, Ted is someone who is resistant to that therapy because we, and we're learning more about that. We're learning more about, the couples counseling and how that went and everything else as we kind of dive into this season and go into season three. But it's just interesting to me that what they did was not only did they introduce all this positive psychology and have Ted be the banner, the poster child for positive psychology, but he also pushed back on therapy. And so it's like kind of showing how important this really is. And even someone who you think is the most optimistic forward-looking, emotionally connected guy can still have an issue being able to talk to somebody. And I think that that just makes it more pertinent that it shows people should go and talk to somebody, right? So I just love, there's there's so much about this. I mean, clearly I love this show, right? (laughs) We all do, but that's that's a good segue. You know, I've been asking a lot of the cast members what they do for their own mental health. And I'm wondering, now what you do for your own mental health. I, of course, talked about I uh, last year I trained for a marathon. I did the marathon this month or last month in January. It went very well. It was very fun. Um, but running really became that for me. And then also things like mindfulness and meditation, trying to do that uh, and certainly going to therapy. But what is it that you found, uh, whether that be through COVID or even after, 
that you do for your own mental health? Um, well, I have a dog, so I walk it. <laughs> yes. Right. So during COVID, poor dog said, what, not another damn walk. Um, so I'm very lucky in that I look out onto trees. And I believe there's a, that sounds a bit kooky, I suppose. But I actually think there's something to it. I think there's a lot to be said looking at trees um, and green stuff. And I like gardening. And um, during the COVID, I landscape my garden. But I, I, I mean, I totally, the, the marathon thing is brilliant. I, I'm not into running marathons. I, I don't think I could do that. But I do take exercise and I think that that's really important. Um, I do also try to meditate, not very successfully. You know, I like everything. Right. I, you know, I have these, I have these moments where I do really well at it. Um, this isn't, you know, uh, they haven't paid us or anything, but I use the 10% happier app with, with, uh, Dan Harris's app and, and like it, it's, I'll go like really well, I'll do really well for like a week or so. And then it can be you it's, it's funny how busy you perceive that you are that you don't have 10 minutes to just kind of sit by yourself for a second. And of course you do. Like I was, I was at work today and I, I could have easily opened up that app any number of times and been able to just sit there for 10 minutes. Um, but it can be really difficult to kind of become uh, really well-versed at doing something like that in a practice. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I, I also, I'm a great believer in actually creativity as, um, as a, as a, a sort of, uh, it's a way to get you out of your own head. Um, mm. I, I mean, the big piece of advice everyone tells you, and I, I do try to do it, is you, you turn off the phone. That's number one. You've got to turn it off. You've got to turn off all of that electronic equipment. Um, and then and then actually that gives you space to be creative. It gives you space to think. Um, that's really great. Num number four, I love that. That's really great. Now, uh, we do want to, We're first of all, we want to make sure everybody knows where they can go and get your book. But before we do that, we have some questions just about the show that we want to ask you. And that is, we need to start. You've seen this show probably even more than we have at this probably point. Probably more than us, yeah. So uh, we know that the, our listeners know our favorite episodes, but what is your, do you have a particular episode or episodes that you seem to really draw from, whether for the book or just something that you just enjoy? Oh, well, I mean, I've got to tell you, I love the first episode. I mean, it's I, so good. Right? <laughs> Great pilot. Brilliant. It was really, really good. Uh, um, I just think Rebecca's fantastic. They got it all right. They've got every character right. Uh, mm -hmm. I, is that a good answer, is it? No, that's a great answer. I one choice. There you are. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Is there a particular uh character that you seem to relate to more than others? Oh, I'd love to say it was Rebecca, but I'm I'm just not bossy enough. Um, you know, I'm, <laughs> just, I'm not I, I I'm more, you know, your bumbling chatter, which I suppose is, you know, is that Ted? But then I feel like you perhaps you shouldn't say that. But I am pretty positive, actually, generally. So <laughs> I'll give myself that. <laughs> all right, good. It's so funny because uh, we all have the same reaction when people ask that, like, because people have uh, identified both Jeremy and I independently 
as very Ted like, and we're like, no, we can't be Ted like, right? I mean, it's just so, it's that humble uh, humbleness that all these listeners of Ted Lasso have. They're like, well, we can't be Ted, right? It's like, it's like comparing yourself to God. I'm just God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for me at all. Uh, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> Jared, do you have any questions about the show in particular that you want to ask her before we start to wrap up and make sure we know our listeners know where to find this book? Well, uh, you know, obviously um, we're all in um, just this dead, uh, dead craziness period of waiting for any info from season three. They gave us a picture and the internet exploded. (laughs) Lucy, we almost did it. We almost did like a three hour podcast just on one picture. I Just swear, like we were like, we got it. We <laughs> Jeremy sent me a message. News. And he's we like, need to do something. <laughs> Jeremy, Jeremy sent me a message and he was like, Hey, uh, that's still released online. Should we do a show about it? And I was like, We're gonna do a show about a picture. <laughs> like that's that's where we're analyze right this picture from every <laughs> angle here, but I, I know which picture it is as well because they've only released one. <laughs> hey, well, credit to Apple, it's a great picture. Um, but obviously, you know, we've talked a lot about what we are hoping to see for season three, but what do you think? What do you what do you hoping to see if this is the last season of Ted Lasso, as they keep saying, you know, what are you hoping to get from that, from that last season? Um, well, I think that, well, they've set themselves such a high bar. I mean, they're going to be feeling so much pressure. I, I mean, I just love the writing I, rather than the characters. Uh, I, 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 that sharpness, all those little clever lines. What's that one? Uh, the challenge is like riding a horse. If you're you're not if you're, if you're comfortable while you're doing it, you're probably doing it wrong. I mean, you have to come up with those lines. I want more of that. That's what I love. And I think the internet is dying for that. All those little lines are all whizzing around the internet still. I don't know another show where that's happened. Yeah, absolutely. We we call those uh, Tedisms. So um, you know, on our show, of course. Um, <laughs> Do you have like a favorite Tedism, a favorite Ted quote that you always keep coming back to? Um, well, maybe that one. Yeah. They, well, I tell you, launching a book. Yeah. If, if you're comfortable while you're doing it, you're probably doing it wrong. <laughs> and it's right from that first episode, which makes perfect sense. So, Lucy, it's been great to get a chance to talk to you. I really enjoy connecting with other fans of the show and then someone that was able to put these thoughts into this book. And it was uh, really great. It was, uh, like I said, I'm about halfway through. I can't wait to finish the rest of it. It's a quick and easy read as well. So it's something that if you want to grab while you're on a plane ride or whatever you're doing, you can pick this book up very easily. But can you tell people to make sure that they know exactly where they can go and get, what would Ted Lasso do? Um, It's on Amazon. There it is. Get it there. Just easy it's stuff. Yeah, everything right there. What would is what would Ted Lasso do by um how his how his positive approach can help you by Lucy Broadbent and it's on Amazon. And I, is... I'm just I, can I just say how grateful I am to you. Um, really, really grateful. Um, and you said such kind things really about my book and really, I, I it's really lovely to hear the encouragement because you know I it, it seemed. It seemed so obvious to me to write it. It just really seemed of it wasn't hard to write. It wrote itself. And um, it's really lovely to hear that from you. Thank you ever so much. Of course. Pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
What a great conversation. I really enjoy talking to, you know, we get a chance to talk to a lot of podcasters. We talk to actors. We talk to those types of creative people. But I love talking to journalists and I love talking to authors because they put so much of themselves into their work. And I clearly, Lucy, really kind of enveloped herself into what would Ted Lasso do because she allowed herself to kind of learn along the way. And I, I appreciate that a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, folks, it's just a really, really great book. Get on Amazon, find it. What would Ted Lasso do? How Ted's positive approach can help you. Lucy Broadbent, the author. Um, Again, just really, really great stuff and a really quick, easy read. You know, she's very succinct and to the point, but very deep and very good insights into the book, into the, the show itself. So come on, guys, let's get those book sales up. Let's do it. These chapters are really nice and short too. So you can easily digest them in a short setting. And then you can kind of use them as a little guidebook to remember the lessons that we get from Ted Lasso. And so I, I absolutely perfect way to get you over to season three. Um, uh, Speaking of that, you know that we're going to be back for season three. You know, we're going to have a lot of content. You're coming your way uh, as we move through the winter and into the spring. And as soon as we get that release date, as soon as we get a trailer, you know, we're going to run back to these microphones and talk about that. In the meantime, I do recommend that you go and check out uh, Shrinking and uh, also just, you know, go back and watch Ted Lasso season one and two. I'm starting to do that myself and you get something new out of it every single time you watch it. But thank you so much for listening to Peanut Butter and Biscuits. Of course, we want you to make sure you come and join our Facebook page. That's peanut butter and biscuits. You can also follow us on Twitter. If you go to PBB FRN, you can find us there. So, and then I also finally did start an Instagram. I promise I will try to get better at it. I said that last episode and I still have not done it. So I am working on it. I'm a work in progress, but on Instagram, we're peanut butter biscuit time. Any final thoughts for the listeners, Jeremy? No, not much, man. We will be uh, heading out to Portland for Fan Expo soon. So keep going. Oh, we are. We're Twitter going to Portland. There. I forgot and, uh, about that. We'll give you all the updates when we get there. Holy moly. Yes. Follow along uh, all the front row channels because we are going to Portland. We're going to moderate. We have some really cool panels. Uh, they, they haven't given us our final schedule yet. So I don't want to say anybody in case we end up losing them in the yeah. in the moving around. But we have some really cool people that we get to chat with. And we're looking forward to that. But Then we're going to have some more lasso coming your way in the spring, and we can't wait for that either. But for now, for Peanut Butter and Biscuits, I am Craig. I'm Jeremy. And as always, be a goldfish. Goldfish. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Front Row Network, a proud Community Voices member of National Public Radio Illinois. For more from the Front Row Network, including our articles or our other dozens of shows, visit thefrontrownetwork.com or nprillinois.org slash programs slash network. You can also find us on social media by searching for the Front Row Network on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, and on Twitter at Front Row Reviews with a Z.